Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Fashion Council WA Industry Forum Morning Tea. My name is Elizabeth Clark, and I'm thrilled to welcome you here this morning to this very special panel discussion. Before we begin, though, we'd like to acknowledge the Wujuk people from the Noongar Nation, who are the traditional owners, custodians of this land we are meeting on today. Today's panel discussion is on international pathways, and to discuss, I'd like to introduce you to our esteemed panel, including... Our very special guest, Chairman Michael Zhang from the China Fashion Association. Big round of applause. And translator, Ms. Ding Tong Tong. Welcome. Richard Paulson, co-founder of Morrison. And the beautiful Mariella Harvey Hanrahan, Creative Director, Fashion Council WA. Welcome, Mariella. I'd also like to thank our presenting partner, AMP Capital, Karanup and Garden City Shopping Centres, and of course to the Hyatt Regency Perth for our beautiful location this morning. So, let's begin. So, our first guest this morning is Mariella Harvey Hanrahan. Please give her a very big round of applause. I'm sure Mariella is no stranger to any of you, but I will give you a quick rundown of her illustrious career thus far. Mariella launched the annual Telstra Perth Fashion Festival in 1999, having previously worked in WA fashion industry as a writer, editor, stylist, buyer and agent. In 1997, Mariella established the WA Fashion Design Awards to pay tribute to leading designers and to acknowledge new talents and creatives in the WA industry. In 2007, she founded Perth Fashion Concepts Incorporated, which is now the Fashion Council WA. Currently, she is a creative director on the Fashion Council WA board and the advisory board of the Telstra Perth Fashion Festival that work to continue to develop WA's fashion culture and enable local designers to reach new markets internationally. Leading the Telstra Perth Fashion Festival proudly into its 19th year, can you believe it? Mariella has contributed to its overall growth and expansion. The 2017 program showcases the largest creative lineup to date, which includes 123 designers and 59 cultural events. Are you tired? Very. Yes. <laughs> Mariela's passion and dedication to culture, art and fashion is infectious. Her drive and aspirations travel far beyond her exhaustion and beyond delivering just catwalk shows. Her vision is about making fashion accessible to the broader community in an effort to distinguish and elevate WA creatives on a global platform. Welcome, Mariella. Thank you. Well, I mean, we could talk about this week being enormous, but let's talk about 2017 on the whole. Uh, it's been an exciting and eventful year for the Fashion Council WA, hasn't it? It has, and I'm really proud to see where we are and how much we've achieved. It's a big gig, and I, you know, something I, I think I'd like to say is if you're not having fun, if you have to get up and work this hard, and it's a dreg, then don't do it. I think the fact that I can still smile and turn up to work and just have the same passion I had I think 19 years ago if not more is the reason I keep doing it. I have a motto if you can't do it better than you did it the year before it's time to hang up your gloves <sighs> because you're only as good as your last performance. Okay I'm um, going to bookmark that one. So just tell us a little bit about the Fashion Council WA. It's purpose and, and what it's doing for our industry here. So its purpose is to make sure that we nurture our industry and support them. And, I mean, it's okay to do a catwalk show, but what happens beyond the runway? And I think that was one, obviously, when I founded the festival and we were doing the events and I would see the designers and I was thinking, what's happened to them? I haven't seen them. Like, 
there was no support, there was no infrastructure, there was, I mean, I think it was 2008 that we founded the first two big WA collection shows. And I remember flying in some people from, you know, Sydney and magazine editors and I thought, I'll, I'll set up a little showroom for the designers and, you know, get them interviewed. And we had, I'll never forget this, we had Damien Warner, he's, you know, extremely amazing guy from, you know, he was the editor of Vogue.com at the time and he went in and I was manically running around doing the rest of the shows and I thought, I'll set him up with the designers and he would say to the designers, oh, where's your inspiration come from? And they set off from watching fashion TV. Oh, no. Went, Wrong answer. Please yeah. be, be quintessentially Western Australian, you know, be authentic. And that's when I thought, they need a they mentor. Need, they need mentors. Yeah. They need PR advice. They need help. Mm. And I suppose the rest is history. And so, there was nothing else like that in WA at the time. No. There was no other infrastructure, no other a mentorship program. No, there no. was no membership. There was no infrastructure. And typically, as I do, I just have an idea and then I just forge ahead and do yeah. it. So, But I've been lucky. You know, there's mm. been some great people. And I think this is another thing in life as well. You need to surround yourself with good people. And don't be afraid of surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. Because, you know, like I don't have a logistical bone in my body. If it wasn't for Alexandra, our general manager... We probably wouldn't who, be sitting here. Well, no. Like, shows <laughs> wouldn't start on time. Project managers wouldn't get hired. But that's why you just surround yourself with great people. Well, you and were saying so, that earlier, Richard, weren't you? We were having a chat about surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, it's the only way that you can progress and you can succeed really yeah. is, to, is to have some really great people around you that can do it better than you can. Yeah. And who are honest with you. A- and who are honest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Mariela, tell us about your role within the council. What, what is your key role these days? Vision, I think. What can we do? How can we do it? And I suppose with that, enter China. Mm. I think if we're going to be successful in Western Australia... We need to play to our strength and to who we are and work with the advantages that we do have. So let's not cry in our beer about the mining boom being over because we don't want to be known for just digging stuff out of the ground. Let's just celebrate that and let's let our sector shine. We have so many fantastic creative people in Western Australia. Why is let's that? Let's just own why, that. Why are we this crazy melting pot of talent? It's our isolation. Yeah. Um, I think Sydney and Melbourne, they're so close and, and they're always, you know, one's competing with the other and they're watching what they're doing I think we are isolated and that allows us to have some breathing space we're not watching what Sydney and Melbourne are doing and it's so interesting that we're sitting here today with Mm. Chairman Zhang and we're having the China Asia engagement Mm. because I said when I founded the festival we're never going to be Sydney we're never going to be Melbourne we don't have the same population we don't have the same industry. Let's just be us, but let's be the gateway to Asia. Fantastic. And then you'll wait and see all the Australian brands we'll want to show here because yeah. that is our strength. Let's just play to our strengths. Oh, very good. Very, very good. So tell me, how did this partnership come about? I think we met Natalie Lee uh, probably about a year ago now because I've done a lot of work in the Asia-Pacific region. I started working with Singapore Fashion Week in 2010 and obviously saw that that was a lucrative market. Um, Then we met Miss Lee and she said she has connections with working in the China market and we had a discussion and I think I met Natalie maybe end of July last year and by September we had a whole contingent here from, from China and in October I went up and for the first time with Alvin and 
Chairman uh, Lee and then Chairman Zhang kindly invited me to be a judge for the China Fashion Week. And it was amazing. It was exhausting. 28 shows I judged and it was like, zoom, is <laughs> at the speed of lightning. But I learnt so much. But how is, it, how is that Fashion Week different to, to our Fashion Weeks? Uh, is it, it scale? Scale. Yeah. Scale. I think there's probably, what, over 100 shows? Yeah, it was pretty intense. Over what period of time? Uh, a week. Six days. Yeah. yeah. So we, I'm tired and there's 23 shows. Mm. There's okay. a, there's a, we'll ask Tim and Zhang how many exactly, but it was the number was mind-blowing. This year you took Alchemy, Empire Rose and Morrison to China. Can you explain to us what happened over there? Well, what happened is that, as I kind of always thought and predicted, it is that if you're quintessentially Aussie and just be yourself and have a product that is unique, that's what the Chinese consumer is looking for. They're not looking for fast fashion. There's lots of Zara's, H&M and Topshop, and there's buildings that are two and three storey high of Vuitton and Chanel. They're looking for that. What's that bespoke? It's the middle ground. It's the middle ground. Mm. Yeah. And we have that. Our yeah. brands have that. And it was quite frightening, actually, wasn't it, Richard? We were like rock stars. We were mobbed. And we were just wearing us. You know, I didn't wear anything but West Australian brands yeah. when I was up there. And everybody just sort of said, wow. where did you get this? Wow. Did you find that, Richard? I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, uh, we were very, very well looked after. And there was a lot of respect. And, and the thing that I got uh, out of the, uh, the China trip was that the relationship is the most important part of, uh, of the start of any business relationship is the connectivity and the personal relationships before uh, any business gets done. Mm. Mm. I think you described it earlier as courting. Yeah, it's mm. a bit like courting and, you know, you, uh, you wait and you, <laughs> you, you know. You do that? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but uh, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, the, the business will come. Uh, as long as uh, you stay true to, to who you are and what you say and, mm. uh, and represent and how you represent yourself. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a true believer that uh, we can build a very strong and sustainable relationship with, uh, with Chairman Zhang and the China Fashion Association. Mm. And I'm just interested just to, to go to Chairman Zhang. This idea of the Chinese retail landscape being either very high-end or fast fashion, why is there to date... No middle ground as such. So I'm so sorry. My English is just a little. So <laughs> may I speak Chinese? Yes. Speak uh, yes. as a translate. Of course. China is a very big marketplace. So there's no certain way everything could happen in China's marketplace. So whatever for the luxury brand or the fast fashion, what kind of level they all have their uh, consuming power. So they, uh, for each market, it's really big, no matter you are um, high-end or fast fashion. So from the data, for the past few years, the growth of the purchasing power of clothes, uh, it grows more than 10%. 10% each year. And every year, there's 2 billion, 2,000 2, billion. 2, billion yuan each year for uh, the consumption. So there's rapid change in uh, China market, and we have more needs about unique designers. We want more unique products. Mm. 
Okay. So, thank you. So, Marilu, what what is the Fashion Council doing to help young talent? Is there a, a program that you're using to educate our young creatives on how to break into the Chinese market? It, there is. Yeah. And on that note, I should actually speak and commend our chairman, Kate O'Hara. I mean, I've got some vision and it's a wild ride working with me. And when we said we're going to China, she didn't bat an eyelid. She saw the opportunity. She came to China with us the first time and she was just fully behind it. You know, let's do it. Yes, let's. Uh, it is important we take our designers there. She didn't stay the whole... Uh, I think I was there for 10 days last October. But I said to her, you know, there's some great great creative designers out of China. Like China, if everyone's thinking that China is where you get fake Louis Vuittons, no, mm. it's changed. And so our designer that's showing tonight, Joel, who has her Australian debut, she's amazing. She's been five years in the making and she wants to break into the Australian market. And so when we were talking with Kate, I sort of said, look, Kate, there's this, you know, there's we should be... Mm. Looking at the Australian, you know, I found some great talent here. And she said, that's what it's all about. That's why we need to put our MOU in place and have, like, you know, a foreign exchange. We took our students up there. And I think, again, you know, like, just building the, that relationship between our chair and Chairman Zhang and pre previous to that, Chairman Lee, mm. has been critical. So, big shout-out to Kate. So, tell us, globalisation has become a key factor in functionality in terms of the fashion industry in the world today. How important is it for young businesses to take into account those cultural sensitivities when looking to expand their business internationally? Vital. Vital. And I think when you see the scale of China, it's frightening. We need to do this with a partnership and with an MOU and with a strong partner. And we're fortunate because yeah. we're actually working with China's largest fashion industry body. It doesn't get bigger than that. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So rather than us going in blindly and it could take us three or four years and there'd be failures, absolutely, we've gone in on a, with a much more backing behind us. We're already at, at an advantage because we have a partnership. They will point us in the right direction mm. of the right of the manufacturers. They will point us in the right direction of... Well, they have a program called D-Hub. Yes. Um, and can, can you uh, explain D-Hub? Yes. Yeah. Chairman Zhang, it's actually better to explain okay. D-Hub. There were so many people coming through that. Yes. And it's those learnings that if we hadn't had the partnership well, where do you start yeah. in a city and, you know, in a country with that scale? Right. And I guess it's also, it's about the exchanging of those ideas, isn't it, between the two countries? Yes. Given that we, um, we have, you know, very sort of polar different uh, fashion industries. So, Chairman Zhang, could you explain to us the concept behind D-Hub? D-Hub is the project that mainly focused on young talent designers. Mm -hmm. uh, during the period of China Fashion Week, we start the project D-Hub, so we mainly want to help young designers mm. to start their business, and also we provide different kind of resources like buyers and also uh, different channels for them to sell their products. So for the past March, uh, there were 250 designers, they joined this project. These designers, they came from not only from China, but also from Japan, Korea, and even uh, for uh, America. There are more than 10 countries all over the world. There are more and more young talents, and also because China market is very open and inclusive. So we have um, high expectation uh, from Western Australia's designers. 
Well, we want through、um, the D Hub, so we can provide a platform for. Australian designers to enter the Chinese market. Any comments, Richard? I think it's also important to understand that the China market, from my understanding and, and my experience, I mean it's it's huge, but it's not like here in Australia where you know as a as a you know starting to sell wholesale to、uh, to to boutiques. There's not the multi-branded boutiques that we have here. There are department stores, but they're They don't really have a category for the tier of product offering that we support or we can provide. I think that's an important distinction because the opportunities are there, but you really, you really have to be ready on a fully vertical start, uh, scale. So then the relationships and,、uh, need to be、um, uh, padded out, and the understanding and the opportunities are there. But、um, you know, there's, there's, it's very complex, and I think we're still st- starting to understand, trying to understand how it is that、uh, we enter that market effectively, and whether that's through.、Uh, I think DHub is a is a great opportunity. Um, and certainly、uh, created some interest, and then you know it's it's how to to get to market from that point. You know, there's Tmall, which is which is an online platform、uh, in China, similar to eBay, that type of、uh, system. But、uh, you know, there's still a lot of work for us to do, and I think that therein lies the opportunity、uh, to to build on this relationship. I think that. We、uh, in Perth、uh, have provided、uh, the, the gateway to get to China, but I think、uh, with moving forward, there's a, a real strategy that we've got to put in place for Australian brands,、uh, either, either as a、uh, boutique offering as a whole, whether it's online in the first instance, or or whether it's、uh, through Tmall, which is also online. And there's also、uh, businesses that are looking at the the wholesale model, but to my knowledge, it doesn't exist at the moment. So, you know, the influences and the social media progression and、uh, the way in which that that is communicated is very, very different from from how we do it. I'm really keen to、uh, to work with Chen Minjiang on building the right platform for us to be able to showcase our our brands、uh, effectively in China. Mm. I mean, Richard, as co-founder of Morrison, I mean, how how old is Morrison now as a label? Seventeen、uh, years. Seventeen years. When you first started the brand, was China at that point in your long-term business plan, or is this something no, that's evolved? No, it's it's definitely something that's evolved.、Um, you know, I mean, I think from from my point of view, we were really trying to to grow our business in Australia initially. I mean, we we did that through wholesale initially. Um, and then expanded our, our retail footprint. You know, understanding the Australian market was hard enough, and you know, we we had a couple of cracks at the US market and and failed. Would, would、um, you say that's the the most difficult market for Australian designers? The, the US. US? I, look, I think it used to be. There's a lot of Australian brands in the US now,、mm. and a lot of the the influencers are continually posting Australian product. So I think that with the internet and with social media, it's really closed that gap.、But、China's a different story, and it wasn't really on my radar until、uh, the opportunity presented itself earlier this year. You know, I, I really see it as the future.、Mm. You know, the US and the China market together will be.、Um, Are they equally? 
Yeah, I think they are, yeah. you know. Well, and Yeah, actually on that, Richard, I think China's middle class now outnumbers the US. Mm. That right? So it's mm. not difficult to see the scope for growth. No. Definitely. But I think, as Richard says, to navigate your way through it is key. Yeah, well, there's been plenty of brands that have tried, you know, gone into China, spent millions and millions of dollars trying to penetrate the market and failed. Why have they failed? Well, I just don't think that they've gone in with the right, whether it's contacts, platform, strategy. They're, they're, they're using a, an American strategy. They're using an Australian or, or a European strategy in terms of how they roll out their offer. And unless you partner with the right people, it's a real risk. And, and that's why it's so important that uh, you know, we establish our relationship properly from the base point and through China Fashion Association, through the Australian Embassy in Beijing, to really bring together the right group of people uh, to be able to present the platform that we actually need as an industry uh, to sell our products. Mm. And, and I think it's interesting when you said... You, know, you talked about businesses going into the Chinese market and dealing with them the same way they would a US company. Yeah, very, it really comes back to the cultural, mm. la- you know, the different totally languages. Different. Yeah. Totally. It's not the cultural sensitivities. It's a way of doing business in China. But I think what's most exciting about this partnership in terms of Fashion Council and the China Fashion Association is that we have the same shared common vision, and that's big. Mm. So we in Western Australia, our fashion industry is growing and expanding like you can't imagine. AMP Capital, our presenting partner, they're spending $1.3 billion in the next couple of years to mm. upgrade the centres. Now, the, and they'll be bringing some great brands in. But, you know, imagine along the way if like a brand like Joel, who's showing tonight, can have a standalone store in the malls because at the end of the day be it China be it Australia be the US market the consumer is looking for something different Hmm. so you know it's going to be fantastic to be able to provide rich content and uniquely uniquely different content you know for shopping malls because shopping malls are changing everybody wants to go and wants to have an experiential and wants you know like we've just relaunched our hatch in Karen Up Shopping Centre and it's, ex- and it's much more of a curated space and everyone goes in there wanting an experience which we will at the end of the festival be introducing Joel to the West Australian consumers via Hatch and I think that's ex- for me that's the exciting thing but discovering I, new brands Oh absolutely but I think it also it goes back to how these millennials discover new brands certainly here our retail landscape is becoming more and more online Having said that, we were discussing earlier, Richard, that there's still a real uh, desire for bricks and mortar and tangible product. I'm wondering how, and I, if I could address this question to, to Michael, the media landscape in China and the way that the millennials shop and discover new fashion, is that done through malls or online? For uh, young people, like who were born after 90s or even uh, 2000, like 2000, they more uh, focus on online shopping. Like the social media has huge impact on their um, consuming habits. So it's more about online shopping. What were your observations in China with regard? I mean, you talk about their malls and they're filled with these millennials buying. I mean, I've got a stat here that says the millennials in China spend 40% of their income on fashion. They want something different. They're hungry for originality. 
and something bespoke. And that's what I'm saying. If we get our offering right, it's an incredible opportunity and vice versa. I found some fantastic during the D-Hub, um, my tour of D-Hub and the shows that I judged, some fantastically highly and creative, but most importantly, original to China young designers. Mm. So that's why I think this partnership's got the early makings to become really successful. Really successful. And Michael, can I ask you another question? These millennials, are they looking for more luxury brands or are they equally interested in, in the faster fashion? I know that they're after bespoke, but currently what would you say they're spending the majority of that 40% on? I think they mainly focused on uh, the fast fashions and they are looking for more unique products. Mm, okay. That's where the, the niche sits for local designers here in WA. Uh, and given they do shop online more, it's still important to have bricks and mortar in China? Besides online stores, there are also some space like for a pop-up store and also for um, the buyer stores. People want different way of shopping mm. in China. Therein lies the, uh, the opportunity. You know, there's this mis- massive uh, middle gap and brands like our Australian fashion industry can fill that gap. Mm. But, uh, I mean, as well as the Europeans and as well as the Americans, but therein lies the opportunity in that, uh, you know, between the luxuries and the, uh, the fast fashion. Yeah. So, Richard, what would you say to a young brand that was looking at entering the market? What, what are the important elements to have in place in terms of strategy? Get your product right first. And then, I suppose, surround yourself with the right people mm. to be able to um, provide you with the advice to scale your business to the level that you want to get to. You know, so many people go into business and just have, have an idea and, and just uh, run with it um, without the, the infrastructure supporting them, going along, uh, following them. And, you know, I mean, from my business uh, point of view, I mean, we, we started with nothing, a couple of credit cards, and, uh, and off we went. And... You back yourself to an extent, and I suppose you you know you got a couple of people, and you get a couple more people, and you know everyone's sort of working in the same direction, has got different skill sets, and and you grow and you grow and you grow, and there's lots of different strategies that we used uh, over the time, but I tell you, we we made a hell of a lot of mistakes. How important is slow growth within a company? <sighs> My business partner and I, you know, we were always uh, cons- well, one bloke used to say to me, you know, you're the accelerator and you're the brake. And together you make lots of smoke, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's it. You know, it's, it's smoke and mirrors, and uh, you, you just fudge your way forward until um, until you make it. Fake it till you make it. So really, you need to have that smoke, not as smoky, before you start looking at options like China and the US. You know, you've got to look at like YouTube, for example, and and how YouTube has just launched uh, music careers. There is opportunity within, within social media platforms to be able to launch products. And if you've got something really unique and different, then you can make it to market. Someone will pick it up. You know, someone will go, hey, look, that is awesome. Uber started. You know, there were five Ubers. They were all at the same level and they all sat at sort of the same funding levels and whatever, and they all did the same thing. And the backers liked Uber, and they went, bang, 
and they pumped as much cash as they could into it. And they said, we're going to make this work. We're going to throw so much money at it that it's just going to work everywhere. Mm. We'll fight every case, blah, 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 blah. But they went with the one that they thought was the best. It Mm. can work. And it's never been easier to be visible internationally than it is today, given... That's right. Yeah, I mean, you you can be everywhere within seconds. You Mm. know, something can go viral and you could have made it, gone from nothing to, you know, complete stardom in uh, in one afternoon. How important is uh, social media platforms for your business in terms of looking forward and expanding? And to a fairly large degree, we rely on it now. Yeah. You know, we rely on it to communicate with our customers and to grow our customer base. I mean, everyone has their email databases and so on, which you utilise, and but they all need to be interlinked and cross-matched. And, you know, you, you need it all these days because there is a lot of competition. You've got fast fashion that's entered Australia in a massive way. Mm. Is that and here to stay? Yeah, I think it is. There has been a, a certain return to handmade and bespoke and craftsmanship. Mm. And it's certainly interesting with this the, the Chinese market having that, that middle ground that is, you know, hungry for, for creative talent. I mean, could we see fast fashion retreating a little and making room for this? I think it probably has, but they're here to stay. And, uh, you know, we just have to all work together. And uh, it's a small market, Australia, and, you know, that's why you're seeing some of these, uh, these big department stores shrinking a bit because mm. their market share is being absorbed. Mm. Do you have any comments on that, Mariella? I think another interesting lesson for me in observation, I guess, is you have to be patient. One of my co-judges in China was the editor of China Daily, China's largest selling newspaper. She was telling me that the industry in China has tripled in the last 10 years. And by 2020, it will will account for 30% of the global fashion market growth Mm. over the next five years. So the timing's right. But that I was just wildly excited. I thought, oh, my God. So I guess I came back and I thought, oh, we can go there and we can write millions of dollars worth of orders. Mm. And I can remember Kate saying, Mariella, it's, it takes time. Yeah. And she's right. And it takes time. We need to work with a partner like the CFA to mm. get it right. Yeah. So I guess if you expect to go to China and come back with, you know, 10 million orders on your first trip, it's not going to happen. Mm. But you've got to keep working through it. Build relationships. Build relationships and just go through it step by step mm. to get the outcomes. Yeah. So what's the next step in this partnership? What, well, into- the next step's really exciting. It's tonight's show. Yes. Tell um, us about tonight's show. Joel making her Australian mm. debut and then followed by that, taking her into our uniquely, fantastically West Australian incubator store. And this is what I mean about having a vision and having a common ground. We're so lucky to have a partner like AMP. When we opened Hatch, it was about educating the consumer in Western Australia to shop local. You're not just buying a frock. There's a story behind the frock. There's a designer. And then I, I wanted to create this concept called Guest Rack at Hatch. And I wanted other Australian labels to hang side by side with our Australian brands and now have an international brand. And thank you to AMP in bringing some of Australia's greatest designers to Perth to show for the first time. Yeah. We've got Christopher Esba oh, in fantastic. there hanging yeah. next to our WA designers. And yeah. then after the show tonight, we'll have Joel. So mm. there we have it. I don't know of a store in Melbourne where you can do that. You can go in and it's been curated and you have 
the best of everything. You've got local, national and international. And that's the game. But you need partners for that. You, you know? do, yeah, you need to, partners to execute and it. it. takes time. Yeah. I'll say to all of you, dare to dream. I think in 2011, probably 2010, we started courting Telstra mm. in just different ways, made appointments. You know, you can imagine it's Australia's largest telco. And someone said to me, Mariella, you're out of your mind, you know, lo and behold, 2014. Take stamina. We got yeah. our naming right partner. Yeah. You know, I was crazy because I was prepared to stay without a naming right partner unless it was the right partner. In terms of brand fit. In terms of brand fit. Yeah. There were people that offered money and, and people would say, Mariella, are you crazy? No, I'm not. We're going to get this right. So it's not being seduced by the money. It's, no. It's hanging out for that perfect partnership, which is obviously what's happened here between the Fashion Council. And same with, you know, a We got... Telstra and then we were working with AMP and we did a peripheral event mm. with essentially their event under our banner and then we sort of got to work with them and discovered that their vision for fashion for the state and what they're doing made sense for us to step up the partnership. It's exactly the same with entering the China market. Yeah. Surround yourselves with the right partners. Yeah. But I see it as you know, the, the Perth Fashion Festival uh, as the conduit to China, we really need to extend what we do here into the China market as a whole. And in order to do that, we need our government partners and our corporate partners to be on board with that strategy of Perth being the gateway to China and the enormous opportunities that lie ahead. Does anyone have any questions for our panel? Thank you so much to all the panellists. I'm really inspired and excited by um, the potential and the vision, Mariella, which, sorry, just dropped my napkin, um, the vision which you outlined and fully supportive of that. Um, My question is about uh, the style of fashion um, that consumers in in China are looking um, to purchase and to wear because traditional Chinese fashion is quite distinctive, uh, those consumers, are they, are they looking to purchase garments which are a fusion of Western styles combined with their traditional styles or are they really looking to just go Western? What are they actually looking for? Because, you know, in our era of globalisation and we're becoming increasingly multicultural, um, I'm just really interested in how those um, two fashion styles will mix and what businesses and designers here may be um, looking to put together in order to appeal to um, overseas markets and particularly in China. It's an interesting question because the three labels that you took to China, Alchemy, Empire Rose and Morrison couldn't be more different in aesthetic, could they? They yes, but they are all quintessentially Western, all quintessentially Aussie. Let's, mm. I'm, I'm going to say they all have. They're not trying to be Balmain. They're not trying no. to be. They've got their own handwriting. Yeah. So in the case of Morrison, it's beautiful fabrics, luxurious silks, you know, but with a relaxed look. Yeah. Alchemy, stunning, stunning, glamorous, glamorous yeah. evening wear. And then Empire Rose out there. Yeah, cool. You know, yeah. cool. The cool factor. Mm. So yeah. I think, you know, that's why we were successful. Mm. That's but I think, why there was I, an I think it's as much just sticking to your brand DNA, yeah. who you are. You know, that, that is in fact how you build your business. Here, 
or overseas. You know, the European uh, brands don't necessarily uh, manufacture or design for the Chinese market no. itself. It's you know they see what's on the catwalk in in Paris, and that's what they want. Michael, do you have any comments? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fashion industry in China is very international. We are super open, and we follow trends. Yeah.、Mm. So, because of all the internet and social media,、um, Chinese customers we are highly accept acceptable, and it's like、um, mm. we know all the trends, and it's at the same time. Uh, for Chinese customers, of course, we like our traditional culture, like garments and fashion. But also, we、uh, are very welcome for the international trends. So yeah, again, I'd say you know, what is your USP? It's so important that you identify that your unique selling position. Find it, own it, stick to it, and you'll be successful. And don't try and adapt to the market. No. Just、don't be who you are.、Uh, be who you are. I mean,、yeah. as I said, if you want to copy something from, I don't know, Chanel, Balmain, Celine, forget it, because Zara and Topshop have done it, and it's in the store for and are selling it for forty-five dollars. So if you want to reinterpret that and then sell it for one hundred and fifty dollars, forget it. You're not going to do it. So be bespoke, stay true to yourself, and be you'll be successful.、Mm. Mm. And, and you know, I speak from experience. I'm not trying with the fashion festival. I'm not trying to be Sydney. I'm not trying to be Melbourne because we can't.、Yeah. We just are us. Do our own thing. I think you know, like with swim and resort. Another thing. What is it that, from an export perspective, that's going to make us successful? If you guys want to sell winter clothes and coats, <laughs> forget it. No one's going to come to Australia to buy that. Forget it. What are we good at? Resort. That's the market we should own, and we should own that for the Asia Pacific region. That's、oh, what they're looking for.、Yeah. It's transseasonal. When it's winter here, it's summer in the northern hemisphere. That's what we need to do and work to, because those buyers and the resort can be worn all year round. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jonathan Lee.、Uh, I'm from Hong Kong, China, and、uh, I'm I'm so thankful to be first time here in seeing everybody. And I was inspired by Mary Ellis、uh, saying, "Don't dare to dream." This is very inspired. And I have a question for Michael. And I know there's a lot of the young, talented designer in WA. They would like to try start selling to China. And you emphasize so much about the online marketing、uh, in China is、uh, going so well. And I wonder, do you any platform? You suggest for all the young designers to start to test out their fashions. Like、uh, I understand from some research, saying on the single date, November 11th, the single sales day on 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 Tobo is 17 million dollars.、Uh, do you suggest Tmall or Tobo will be a good platform for our WA designer to try with their first collection? There are so many. So many choices that you can choose if you want to enter China market. As Mariella said, it's more about you need to find the right people, right partner. That's the most important important thing.、Uh, especially、uh, China market is、uh, rapid changes every day,、uh, so it's more about the people you are working with. For the online 
uh, online store platform such as Taobao, um, Tianmao, Dingdong, they are all very successful in China nowadays. So they are all good choices. As you said, for the November, like the single day Taobao marketplace, the sales revenue per day uh, was about 1,000 billion yuan just for one day. Mm-hmm. So it's it's huge and it's really successful. Well, the most important thing is that um, there are so many business in China and on one platform, there might be like thousands of stores selling same products. So how to stand out and uh, how to attract customers, that's the most important thing. China market is like it changed every day. You want to be successful in China, there are so many competitors. Uh, if you, as a brand, if you want to be successful in China, then uh, you really need to... Talent. <laughs> <laughs> There's a huge challenge. Yeah. As Chinese uh, customers, we are more familiar uh, about the fashion from European, from American, but not from Australian. We really need to work more on that. Mm. That's why we work closely with uh, a fashion council, WA. Uh, We want to build a bridge to take Western Australia designer, bring them together and enter Chinese market. That uh, will increase the possibility of success. Mm. Thank you. Uh, So that Chinese customer can know the value of Western Australian designers. Okay. Thank you. you. I'll just point out one thing. If I look at our, for example, our Sydney City uh, store, at uh, at our Westfield Sydney City store, approximately 35% of our sales come from the Chinese market. Is that the tourist market? That's the tourist market. Alone, yeah. Yeah. I know that Sassenbite and uh, Zimmerman in that location have similar numbers. It's there. It's just how we communicate that. And, you know, if we can get it, if we can put an effective plan together to reach the market effectively, I think that there's a real opportunity through FCWA and the uh, China Fashion Association partnership to provide that yeah. platform and for our designers in Australia. Yeah. Not just WA. Yeah. All of them. Are there any other organisations in Australia who are? Are tackling this as well, Mariella? Not that I know of. No. Not that I know of. And I think as a group, that's another another key word is collaboration. You know, I see Fashion Council Western Australia as being a collaborator and a connector. Mm. Um, and again, you know, through our partnerships, you know, yes, obviously we are for Western Australia and we stand for Western Australia, but we're not... What's exclusively? Exclusively. Yeah. Like, if Christopher Esper says to us tomorrow, can we come on that China absolutely. journey? Absolutely. Mm. If Beckham Bridge... Anyone. Absolutely. Any of the brands that we work with, with our partners, we're not... Anyone who's got a commercial business. Brand. And, and, but you have to be China ready, I think, as yeah. Richard was saying yeah. before. There's nothing worse than... If not you being out of supply or... You know. And then you can't fill the order. Yeah. Yeah. Another lady here? Yep, thank you. Uh, having regard to what you said about unique selling points and... Um, the Australian brands being very desirable in China. Um, I'm just wondering, at the moment, it seems to be that the model for building the business in China is one of partnerships and exchange. And I'm just wondering if there's any room for the idea of 
perhaps, uh, as Mariella just said, collaboration so that you have perhaps some of the bigger brands or whatever brands uh, from Australia, some designers actually collaborating with some of the Chinese designers to put out a capsule range or a another range, a resort range, that might be a way of um, building uh, a mutual, mutually beneficial um, relationship and, and businesses, at least as a starting point. Is that um, something that might be considered, perhaps, a new way of looking at things? Richard, what, what do you think Look, about I think that? it's a great idea. I, I certainly do, but uh, I mean there there is a, there is a great deal of competition, and these uh, these businesses are huge. Uh, so the relationships are you know are key to those those kind of um, decisions. Yeah, but I think it's a great idea. Anyone else have any comments? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I want to give an example. There's an Australian brand called Jet West. And they got collaborated with a Hong Kong brand. And for the past 20 years, uh, they got huge success. And for the last year, uh, I remember their revenue reached 40 billion yuan per year. Uh, they have more than 3,000 stores in China. Uh, of course, this is, uh, this is one of the successful examples. And of course, there are lots of uh, brands who got failure uh, to enter China's market. Uh, so again, partner is very important to enter China market. So uh, as China Fashion Association, we are really willing to give our resources and help you guys enter the market. Sorry to butt in. What was the brand you mentioned that is doing really well? Jane's West. Jane's West. West. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who started right here in Western Australia. Yeah. Guy called Alistair Norwood. All you guys probably don't know because you probably weren't born. But yeah, <laughs> Richard, did you want to make a comment? Yeah, look, one of one of, one of the most uh, exciting opportunities that came out of um, the last China trip was the meeting that, uh, that Natalie Lee set with uh, the CEO of Lane Crawford, China. We met with her. It was a 30-minute meeting. She'd had the background. She knew of the relationships that we had with CFA. And her idea, and it's important that, it, that I say it was her idea, was that uh, she wanted to create a precinct within Lane Crawford, China, not Hong Kong, but China, to showcase the best of Australian fashion. Those discussions are, are, will continue, but uh, I see that that is a huge opportunity mm. for a number of Australian brands to be able to showcase in greater China in, in a very uh, reputable retail environment. And it's very much that strength in numbers, mm. isn't it? It's, well, it's, it needs to be. It needs yeah. to be 25 good, solid brands that can go and represent Australia mm. and be promoted. And, you know, she was talking about the, the social media and... Uh, and the promotional aspects that would be available to us if, if we, in fact, ended up doing that deal. And, you know, again, it's, it's based on the relationships that we've started and it's, it's a matter of getting back to that courting, you know, mm. and being there for Fashion Week and being there on the end of the phone and, and you know, keeping that, those, uh, those dialogues open and, and also presenting uh, brands that, uh, uh, that are commercial that have the ability to be able to uh, 
to create uh, a store within mm. a store. Who can fill orders? There, there's plenty of them, but mm. uh, you know, it's it, it's that again that coming back to that relationship. There is just staggering opportunity in mm. China. But it, we sort of keep going back to you know having surrounding yourself with the right people, mm. being market ready, mm. having strategies in place, mm. and forming partnerships. Or, or jumping on board with other designers, mm. having that strength of numbers around you, rather than just one mm. label going in on their own. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's well, having that backup, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we're a hell of a long way down that track with our relationship with Chairman Zhang. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think we had a question here, this lady. Yes. yes. Hello. This question is directed um, to Chairman Zhang. I'd like to know, currently in China, is the model more wholesale or consignment, or a combination of both? Whatever uh, wholesale or consumption, uh, they all exist in China market because China market is very diverse. So you can all find your target customers. Uh, so in China, we have uh, department stores, shopping malls, and boutiques, and also um, we have those professional wholesale market, and also uh, we have large. Market share for the online shopping, so they all exist perfectly in China. So it's a combination of both. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I think we have time for a couple more questions. This lady over here. Uh, just in reference to the Chinese consumer, do you currently feel at the moment in the economy that um, uh, the male fashion as opposed to female fashion, is there significant difference? Are they equally purchasing in the millennial generation or is there a, a difference in, in men's wear to women's wear and to children's wear? Of course, okay. there are more uh, consuming power on the women's wear. Yes. Uh, also, because the birth policy in China, so there's also some market for the children's wear. Mm. That's actually a really good point. If there's any burgeoning kids' wear designers out there, do it. Massive cap in the market. I think during the 28 or 29 shows that I saw, there were three or four standalone runway kids' shows. Oh. And I think there's a gap in the market here for kids' wear because unless you get seed or mm. pumpkin patches and even that remarkable, without offending anyone, if you buy your mm. kids' pumpkin patch. But if you wanted to do something bespoke and unique, yeah. At, at a good price point. At a good price point. Yeah. You know, well made. Morrison Mish kids. You know, look, Mishka. We did that. Right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions? Uh, ni hao. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and see you um, we are um, a small business in, in the Cottesloe precinct and we are working a great deal with China and what we're finding at the moment is that the demand for our clothing is a cross-section from 10, 11-year-olds up to 65, 75-year-olds. So with the range of sizes and the price points that we're bringing in, we're, we're actually communicating with a really large cross-section of the market. Hmm. So I think what, what Mariella has been saying about the opportunity to create a kid's brand, um, I think that is right. But often what we're seeing in the store is that people are seeing the clothes in, say, a size 14, and they're also wanting to buy them in a size 8. So... By so creating a women's wear mm. brand, 
we're also now extending it to a ch- the children's market. Mm. And I think that's definitely, a, there is definitely a niche market there. Yeah. Any comments from any of our panellists? I think that's probably another concept is that nobody wants to just go in a store now. Again, we're all time poor, we're busy. So if you do have an opportunity to go into a curated space and you can get everything, again, one of the things about this whole experiential and why the better stores like in Chadston, for example, Mm. in Melbourne, why that's so successful is because you can actually have a day out with your child, Mm. take your kids. It's an experience. It's an experience. You know, catch a movie, have a bite to eat at a great food hall, not a rubbish food hall, Mm. by the way. I think what you're saying is you have a cross-section so you can get something for your mum, for your teenage kid, one-stop shop. That Mm. works too. But I think you'd have to get that mix right because don't try and be everything to all people because Mm. that can look like a train wreck. Just wondering, and probably a good question for you, Richard, in terms of size ranges moving into the Chinese market, what are your comments there? Yeah, we've dropped to a zero. Right. Yeah, we're, that's what we were finding. Our product was too big. Yeah. And so the last few years we've, we've had to introduce the smaller, the extra, extra small. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, we have a question here. Hello, how are you? Um, I wanted to ask, uh, what is the biggest um, social media in China way or designer can follow up? Because I know that uh, in China they even have their own um, eBay, their own um, social media where they can promote themselves which uh, we don't have in Australia, for example. So for some of our designers, if they want to be like um, part of your social media, where can they follow up or what is their sources? Uh, so there are lots of options in China. And it's, kind of, it's quite similar, actually. Uh, in China, we use Weibo, which is similar like uh, Twitter. And also we use WeChat, uh, which is kind of uh, WhatsApp. And also uh, other like video uh, website like uh, Youku is similar to the YouTube. So you can choose all this kind of platform to promote your brand. Uh, they all got billions users for each platform. Definitely, they are all good choices. Instagram. Uh, Instagram has been blocked in China. Also, the same Facebook and Twitter, they all blocked in China. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, better options, like Weibo. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Hi. Uh, I won't speak long because I don't want to keep everyone away from their champagne, but thank you very much, Chairman, for coming here and appearing bilingually on our panel. That's incredibly impressive. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, you were saying earlier you wanted to build a bridge for WA designers um, to make them, you know, so they can be more successful in China. Uh, Is there something particularly about WA um, that attracts you? Since we already, like China Fashion Association already has agreement with Fashion Council WA, uh, we have strong relationship, but also we um, we have connection with other associations around the world. Uh, for example, the Mel- Melbourne, Melbourne, mm-hmm. Melbourne, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Melbourne's association. We have connection with them too. Um, from a shopping center perspective, um, what gets Chinese customers excited about going to the mall? Um, what sort of experiences do they want to have when they go to malls? And how can we attract Chinese tourists to our centers in WA? Uh, well, in China, 
since for the past, people go to shopping mall just for shopping. But nowadays,、uh, we want more experiences. It's more about lifestyle. Like we want to watch a movie. We want to、uh, get touch, get touch with、uh, children. So it's more about the different kinds of experiences. If you want to attract、um, Chinese customers, if you only have shopping experiences, that's not enough. So we recommend like you can give them more、uh, different kinds of lifestyles. Okay. Thank you. Basic quality offering. Yes. So, I, I noticed when I went in the different malls, and then certainly in Lane Crawford, the consumer wants a quality offering,、mm. uh, which you won't have a problem, by the way, because you do it well. They like curated, beautifully presented, you know, high class quality offering. Right. Have that, and the world's your oyster. Thank you very much to our panel today. Would you give them a big round of applause? And、uh, again, thank you very much to our partner AMP Karanup and Garden City, and thank you for pulling yourselves out of bed and attending this morning. We very much enjoyed having you, and please stay on for a glass of champagne. And thank you very much.